Chapel Traveling Stories. We have a very, very special guest that we have been trying to work on for a while, and it seems like everything keeps coming up, and which is, is perfectly fine, but he is worth the wait, trust me. Um, we are super excited. Many of you know him. Um, his name is Chucky Chandler. He is the pastor at East Clemson. Um, you don't need a big introduction to know Chucky Chandler. Most of everybody knows him, um, but he is the pastor at East Clemson. Before that, he was our state youth director for how many years, Brother Chucky? About 18. About 18 years, state youth director, also state evangelist, traveled all out through the United States in different places, ministry, and we're super excited for him to come on. And uh, Chucky, what we always try to do is ask, and I know this is going to be fun because I know um, where this answer is going to go. What was life like before Jesus, Chucky? Well, I was pooping in my diaper, and uh, <laughs> Bobby, don't you know, I, I'm like John the Baptist, I come out the womb with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> that's what I figured, yes, yes, that's what I figured. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I got saved really young, so I got saved when I was about six, you know, so there's, there's not a lot of memory yes. of... Uh, life without Jesus. Thank God. <laughs> now we know yeah. even, even with the life with Jesus, there's still hard times and still things that you go through. Um, if you were telling your testimony to somebody, um, how would you bring that out? Would there be certain things that you would bring out that just help, help people um, where they're at to get to where they're going? Well, I think that with, like, with stories like mine, um, you know, when you tell people you've been saved that long and got saved so early, then there's a tendency to, um, well, and people like myself, a lot of times will think that they have no, they really have no testimony because, you know, they didn't do drugs and get five girls pregnant and, you know, become an alcoholic and, you know, in jail or anything like that. But, uh, um, but you know, we we still have issues. We go through some very tough things, and um, uh, I've had some specific things happen, you know, in my life, and and some very tough and rough things that I've had to experience. Um, in fact, just recently talking to you know some people here and there, just having to relate that um, that the biggest and best thing about this relationship with God is that I, I don't have to go through the things that a lot of people go through by, by myself, that he is with me and peace and joy and not having to lose our mind and all that kind of good stuff. So I, I, you know, I have my own personal struggles and open struggles and private struggles and those kinds of things that I um, rely on plenty of them to be able to relate to where people are. Definitely. Now, I know um, we, we mentioned that you were a uh, state youth director for 18 years, and um, you've been a pastor now for, what's it, four or five years now? Uh, except, uh, this week is, um, what's today? Today the is fourth, the 15th. The 15th. Yesterday actually marked six years. Six years. Okay. That, yeah. Six years ago, uh, Sunday the 14th, I came and... Um, came to fill in. I was only supposed to be here till the end of the year. <laughs> and we know how that works. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. But um, I know with working with youth, um, you've, you've worked in them, worked with the youth for, you know, 18 years, and you're still working with them at the church you're at now. Would you say there was a big difference in when you first started compared to now um, dealing with young people and ministering to young people? Uh, uh, some, some major ways, yes. And, and some ways, no, I mean, uh, there's nothing new under the sun, you know, but, um, uh, there are some, there are some major, uh, differences that we're having to deal with. Um, it's a different, the, the culture has changed quite a bit. Um, and, uh, even not just the world culture, but the church culture in and of itself has changed, um, somewhat quite a bit. So, um, um yeah yeah yes yes and no yes and no if that makes sense yes no no it definitely does and um 
I wanted to ask you also, and I, I think I skipped this question, but do you remember when you felt like you were called into the ministry? I know um, you grew up in the church, as you said, and, um, yeah. and you know, six getting saved, and you probably started serving not far after that in some kind of way. Um, right. And uh, do you remember, like, the actual calling? It felt like, hey, I, I'm being called to be a minister or being called to preach or being called to evangelize. Do you remember when, what that was? You know, it was, it, I mean, my my journey on that was so interesting to me. It may not be interesting to anybody else, but, um, you know, I was raised in the church and um, I, I got saved at around six, sanctified, baptized with the Holy Ghost when I was seven. When I was 12, I was actually, um, I actually coming out of cleaners, started helping teach children. Um and and so through the years, uh, through my teen years, I actually had held several positions, you know, in the church. And um, in fact, I probably held every position there is except uh, women's missionary band. And that's because I look awful in a dress. <laughs> um, so <laughs> don't ask me how I know. But anyway, um, so I, I have a lot of experience with um, uh, working in the church and um, actually being up front, um, helping lead singing or play the piano or actually doing certain, you know, because when we were growing up on Wednesday night, a lot of times it was auxiliary night, what we called auxiliary night. So it was either CPMA or missions and that kind of stuff. And so um, I had lots of experience with um, actually doing services and things like that putting those together but i never i never really um uh felt the call to preach until probably um my early 20s now uh through my teens and and all uh, i i had a gnawing you know as they would say you know and i and i remember feeling like there was something but it just never came forth as, you know, as that. Definitely. So, um, so I, I, um, I felt the call to preach probably around 22, maybe, mm -hmm. and, and talked to a friend of mine, Mitchell Looper, and uh, we talked for a bit. And uh, so he was encouraging me and all that. But uh, I actually after I started um, thinking that that's where the direction that the Lord was leading me in, uh, to be quite frank, the next year was awful uh, through the next year. It was, it was terrible. Um, I uh, just went through a season of um, just crud, you know, yeah. uh, to the point where I had um, struggled so much in that year that I almost just called it quits. You know, I just felt like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so after, you know, now I know why, yeah. you know, the struggle of the flesh and the enemy also knowing, um, the calling that the Lord had placed on my life. So, um, but, uh, the Lord really sent some people, especially one particular individual that I was just telling somebody the other day that literally saved my spiritual life almost, um, during a, uh, district meeting we were having and, uh, Erlene Emerson, she was there and, uh, and uh, that old woman wouldn't leave me alone till I went to the altar to pray. You know how she was, <laughs> the Holy Reverend Mother. Yes. And, uh, I say that fondly because I, I love that. I love that woman, and um, but she she literally just kind of saved my saved my relationship there with the Lord by pressing me uh, because the Lord had greater things in store. But and and actually. Um, the next time I started feeling that calling uh, into the ministry, because that kind of calling had, um, through the the difficult year, it had kind of settled, yeah. and I didn't hear anymore. I just didn't hear that coming forth anymore. Uh, so once uh, the Lord began to began to restore and help me, um, I went backslid, but just once He began to restore me uh, uh, spiritually, just making me well that way again. Um, I was actually at a, a youth conference, a general youth conference, and uh, and the Lord began to to speak to me again. In fact, I was in a in a um, class, and I forget who was teaching, but uh, basically the Lord kind of spoke to me through them that um, uh, 
because you know we want a sign uh, yeah. Yeah. For, for this calling you know you want this sign you know lord let a pink elephant with purple polka dots drop out of the sky you know you always make it impossible so yes, definitely. Um, you know uh, so, so we're always looking for this big sign, you know, to tell us about our calling and that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, the Lord just spoke to me through, uh, through that teaching and in that conference and said, you know, there's some things you just have to accept by faith. Yes. So I had talked to, um, I had talked to somebody at my church of, about that. I never would talk to dad. Dad was, uh, my second dad was the pastor there. And uh, I never would talk to him because I knew that uh, I just felt like uh, to tell him I needed to be sure about, you know, the calling in my life. So I'd been ta I had talked to somebody else at our church and actually they had a service. Uh, it was their term time for service. And uh, they actually asked me to speak that night. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I did. And, and afterwards we talked about it. And he said, well, how do you feel? I said, I just really feel like... Um, I really feel like the Lord uh, has called me to preach. And, um, and so they spoke some things to me that confirmed uh, that. Confirmed that. So my, my journey was, was in that I had to, I just had to come to a place of acceptance by faith. And then the Lord gave me the signs that I, I needed to, to confirm that. And I'm glad you mentioned that because like you said, we have a lot of people that want to see signs of see things that, um, we don't see any, you know, like a burning bush or something like that, you know. <laughs> God, if you'll just give me a bush. No burning bush and no flaming angels in front of me. I'd probably poop. I'd probably pooped all over myself. But, you know, we, we do that a lot of times because um, we know what God is calling us to. But it, and it's scary to step out in those things sometimes in fear. Um, but if we will just listen to God, there'll be times and moments. And he'll bring people in our lives, too, as you said. I Absolutely. Absolutely. That will kind of confirm those without you even really, you know, telling them what they're going, what you're going through a lot of times. Sure. That'll confirm. Um, I know um, when we were talking about that, you were mentioning, you mentioned uh, salvation, sanctification and baptism with the Holy Ghost. Um, right. We live in a time now where um, sanctification, we talk about a lot, which is good. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Um, we need to be saved. Yes. Um, yes, we need to be That's saved. Good. Uh, yes, we, we need to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. We need to turn right. and repent. Um, but I've, I've noticed with um, this next generation and with the world that we're in today, we a lot of times stop at salvation. Um, we want that number right. of, hey, this many people have been saved. You know what I'm saying? Our right, 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 right. Guys, this many people, our church. So, in your words and through what God has spoke to you, can you kind of explain um, to those that are listening sanctification what that what that means? Well, the thing about the thing about what we do and what we're called to do is that um, Jesus called us. Um, he didn't say go out and get people saved. Yes, that's not what he said. He said uh, he said go and make disciples. Now, salvation is part of that. Uh, part of that process is actually the the very first. Well, I mean, other than witnessing and 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 talking to people and giving the message of the gospel, uh, salvation is that first um, that first step to actually uh, begin a discipleship walk. But the thing that people forget a lot is that um, once you get saved, you got to live. That's right. I mean, you know, I mean, you've got a life to live, and so uh, what are what are the things and the experiences that the Lord um, wants to do in our lives in order to help us to live. And so um, I'm old school. Everybody knows that. And uh, they kind of dismiss me a little bit, but um, I got news for you. I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. <laughs> so shut up. Um, no, we, you know, and uh, in, in the, in, in talking about sanctification, we're talking about this life that we have to live that is set apart for Christ and Christ alone. Um, when we are saved, um, uh, the Lord forgives us uh, of our sins. The Lord um, uh, uh, reconciles, uh, Jesus reconciles us back, uh, us back to the Father uh, in right relationship with him. We become sons and daughters of God um, and, 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 and all. And so, uh, but we have to live this life. So that means that we can't go back to, to living uh, continuing to live and and the in the old lifestyle because many of those 
those ways are just not pleasing to God. And so when we talk about uh, sanctification, um, uh, many times when we were growing up, what they would say is to be sanctified gives you that power to say no. Well, let me just expound on that a little bit because, <laughs> you know, you need a little bit more. Right. When we talk about being sanctified, we're talking about being set apart for Christ and Christ alone. And so that's this, that's this thing by the, that's this experience or this thing that God does by the blood of Jesus. I don't want to just relegate it to an experience. You know, you say stuff like that and people just go, what? <laughs> so that is this, um, th that is this thing that, that the, that the Lord does for us through the blood of Jesus that, that um, sets, up, sets us apart uh, to, uh, to live for Christ. It, and it's almost like, and I heard someone describe it like this one time, um, it's almost like this agreement that you have um, with, with God. Um, you, you know, when we say you need to ask the Lord to sanctify you, that, that is you saying, uh, for me, that's me, uh, me saying, um, God, I want to be for, I don't want to just my sins to be forgiven. Um, I do want that because I, I don't want to go to hell, but I want to live for you. I want to be just for you. And so uh, sanctify me, set me apart for your service and your service alone. And so it is uh, a work of holiness and a work of, 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 of the blood of Jesus in our lives that that said, and, and the re, and so when, when we say things, when we used to say things like it gives us the power to say no, um, I think part of what we're saying is uh, in this, in this um, relationship, covenant relationship we have with the Lord, this sanctified life that we have committed ourselves to uh, that happens by his power and grace and, and the blood of Jesus, um, then it reminds us constantly that we don't live for ourselves, we live for him. I'm, I'm sanctified. I'm set apart. Yes. I'm not just. I'm not just forgiven. That I mean. I don't mean to say just forgiven as yes. in that's important. Uh, but I am sanctified. I don't. I don't. I don't live like that. Sister Ayers used to say that. Um, she. I. I got that from her. Uh, she used to say that. And uh, wonderful woman. Wonderful woman. Uh, I remember her telling me a story about. Can I tell you a story right quick? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so she was telling us a story. It's funny, funny to us, just hilarious. She was telling us about her and her husband going, because <laughs> they were really just, you know, so old school and, and, and great. I loved them. And she said they went to, uh, somebody offered them a cabin in the uh, mountains or something to go, uh, to go take a vacation or something. And there was a, a jacuzzi there. Now, it was just them, but, uh, uh, you know, they just lived that way. And... Uh, and somebody asked later, you know, did y'all did y'all get in the jacuzzi? She said, "We don't live like that." <laughs> <laughs> so I and my kids here, and my and some of my people here, you know, they they uh, they uh, joke about because I say that all the time. I you know, preaching and stuff like that. This sanctified life that the Lord has called us to means that we are set apart, and and we just don't live like that. We don't live like the world. We don't. We're not conformed to this world, but we are transformed for his purpose and his purpose alone. And, and, and sanctification is a teaching, a biblical teaching of the New Testament. And, and we believe that there is an instant, uh, an instant and also a continual um, uh, process that, or, or thing that we're, sanctification that we're talking about. In other words, um, instantly, you know, the Lord will sanctify us by the blood of Jesus. Sure. This continual is, uh, for, for me, for us, is that um, every day I die to the flesh. Every day I have to die to myself. This is this continual. And also the word sanctifies us in that it teaches us those areas that we keep stumbling in and messing up in. Well, this, 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 this sanctified living will through the word will, uh, will teach us what things that we are, uh, are supposed to do and, and, and things that we need to lay down and, and, and those kind. If that, if that makes sense. Yes. Basically, I'm trying to make it complicated. Yeah. Basically like the scripture says the renewing of our mind. Um, yes. Yes. It yes. Renews our mind to not do those things anymore, to not go back to living that fleshly life. Oh, Right, right, right. And, and he says in his word, this is, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. 
Yes. You know, and so it's real. We cannot dismiss that. And I think that what happens, though, to a lot of folks, especially in the church today, is that we don't talk about it because many folks just don't understand it. That's right. Uh, but it has got to, we got to teach it because it is part of who we are. That's right. Yeah. And, and that's that's what I wanted to get to. You know, we need to teach that because I believe we would have so many people stop falling away and start growing in their relationship with God if we begin to teach that sanctification and begin to, you know, not, I won't say push people into sanctification because we're not pushers, but you know what I'm saying? Let them know them if that's what it takes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, which leads us to the next thing, because I, I know we believe in sanctification, um, uh, salvation, sanctification, and then baptism of the Holy Ghost. And right. uh, we live in a world, especially in the Christian world, where we sing a lot about the Holy Spirit. We talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. Um, but we don't submit a lot to the Holy Spirit and, and we don't let it baptize us, you know, and, and I know we, we know that, you know, the Holy Spirit comes into our heart, but we have to allow it to baptize us. And, and um, so can you kind of go through that also explain, uh, you know, the baptism of the Holy Ghost on that? Good grief, Bobby. You just giving me all the hard questions tonight. Yeah. <laughs> it's not hard. It's really not hard. I think we've made it complicated, but it's just really not hard. Um, I think that, um, and it is, uh, but it is one of the more difficult subjects for us now, which baffles me, especially in the Pentecostal ranks, because um, it is such a difficult subject. I don't, I'm just, I, I know it just baffles me. Um, but I, I get it. People, it's this understanding about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You know, I, as you were saying, uh, and I just talked to somebody about this earlier, to, I mean, just a few minutes ago. Um, the thing is, when, when we are saved, of course, there is a working of the Holy Spirit in our life, that he is with us um, because um, he's the one who convicts. He's the one that draws. Uh, he's the one that has to, you know, help us and give us direction and stuff. When we talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we're talking about a deeper, uh, more consuming um, experience that we have, a living experience that shouldn't just be experienced once. And I don't mean that we're baptized several times, but I'm just saying that we're baptized with the Holy Ghost, but it's a, this continual, you know, uh, flowing of the spirit in our lives. This baptism of the Holy Ghost that we, you know, we talk about is, is, this, um, is this other experience um, outside of that. And, and, and where we get that, where I get that is I read through the book of Acts and there's just, several places where um where you notice people who um um who obviously are believers uh but yet there's a missing um baptism of the holy uh what we call the baptism of the holy ghost so uh for example um uh i believe it's acts four or five i believe somewhere around in there uh persecution of the church persecution no it must be a i'm sorry that's oh, right it's hang on one second okay. it's um this is why you gotta know your bible <laughs> so if you can't quote it you can um you can um okay it's eight i'm sorry i'm sorry right. so like in in a um, when the person at the church hit, hit, uh, persecution hit the church after Stephen's, uh, uh, killing martyr. Um, uh, the Bible says that Philip went down to Samaria and he preached the gospel and people were saved. But the Bible also says that they had not yet received the Holy ghost, um, that, that they called for Peter and John to come down because they needed the Holy ghost. So I, I just don't understand, you know, how, what do you do with that if you don't, you know, believe in this this experience? I was what I was talking to somebody about earlier was um, the account later on in Acts where Paul um, meets up with some disciples of John, and and says and says to them, um, "Have you received the Holy Ghost since you first believed?" And they said, "Well, we didn't even know if there was a Holy Ghost." And he said, "So," but then he had to straighten something out to make sure that they're on the same page. Um, even about salvation, he said, well, what baptism have you been baptized with? And they said, well, we were baptized um, unto John's baptism of repentance. So John had preached a baptism of repentance. And uh, 
which is good and what was necessary. Uh, but then Paul baptized them unto in Jesus' name. Yes. Now, the reason why Paul baptized them again in Jesus' name is um, not only did they need to have the working of repentance in their life, but that was an open confession of um, that of saying that Jesus that they believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and, and salvation through Him. So uh, then the Bible says He lays. I believe He lays hands on on them at that point, and they received the Holy Ghost and began. I believe it says they began to uh, speak with other tongues, and they may have began to prophesy too. Uh, so. Throughout the book of Acts, we see where believers who are being saved are needing to receive the Holy Ghost. And so we believe that that is that continued, deeper um, experience and walk with the Lord where we are consumed or being consumed uh, by the Holy Ghost uh, that begins to bear fruit, that gifts begin to work, um, uh, those kinds of things in our lives. Now, do you want me to go on with that? Yes, keep going, yes. Go ahead and be controversial, because our biggest, our, one of our biggest questions and problems is that, um, you know, we as a church teach, still teach that the, init the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost is speaking in tongues. Well, you talk about being baptized with the Holy Ghost all day long, but once you get to that point and you, you take that stance, well, it becomes an issue for a lot of folks. And... Uh, but, you know, I've done my study, uh, Brother Bobby, and, and even through the book of Acts. And the one thing I do know is that in uh, most of these cases that, um, that you will read in the book of Acts, that there is an open sign. Because yes. they can see it here. It's, there's an open sign right. um, that these believers receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And just the way it's written, you know that there's an open sign. Um, it's not that they, I, I'm not saying that, that speaking in tongues is the only evidence that a person has the Holy Ghost after baptism. I'm just, we're just saying that it's the initial evidence. There's other evidences after someone's been baptized with the Holy Ghost, that the Holy Ghost is working in their lives and that's fruit and gifts and, you know, things like that. Uh, but this initial evidence, there's enough evidence here that there was an, and. Uh, through the scripture in Acts that there was an, an evidence. And so if you read through that and there's an evidence that's actually not only spoken of, but given um, nine times out of 10 or eight times out of 10, um, it's, it's, uh, tongues is going to be included. Sometimes it's tongues and prophesying, yes. uh, but tongues is going to be. In and so through my studies, I'm very comfortable with, with continuing with what we've always taught. And that is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, what's concerning me is that we have gotten away from this so much, especially in the Pentecostal ranks, um, that there's just not a lot of people that are, in, well, what I'm seeing is that there's still just a lot of, not a lot of people sometimes receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And uh, I keep pushing it. I keep preaching. I probably drive my people crazy about it because I just believe there's such a work that we need to do in this in this culture that we're in that we need to be consumed by the power, the dunamis of Acts chapter uh, Acts chapter two and or Acts chapter one that Jesus talks about the power of the Holy Ghost at work in us because number one we don't know how to deliver this gospel in this culture that we're living in and right now it's especially difficult to know what to do. And we don't know how to speak the language of, of, of people around us. And we need the power of the Holy Ghost. That's right. And um, I love that you brought up, um, there's also, we, we talked about the gifts of the Holy Ghost and, and, yes. and the signs. Um, and we live in a world now also where we sometimes take, we want those gifts so much that we forget about the fruit. Um, and we want to, the signs and the wonders. And, and truly, that is, again, the scripture talks about how signs and wonders will follow those. But also uh -huh. we need to have those fruit. And, right. And like, uh, we live in a time, you know, where Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit. But we live in a time where, I, and this is just something that I've seen a lot, we'll have a shouting service at church. Then we'll go to the restaurant and not have the fruit of love and yeah so 
when the spirit comes, do you think it produces fruit first or gifts first? Well, I, well, okay. So that's a hard question, Bobby. Uh, it's not a hard question. You stumped me just for a second. Yes. Because, because I'm just thinking, uh, I'm just thinking through the, through the whole process. You know, we say, we say, well, I think fruit should be, I think fruit should already be working from salvation, number salvation. one. Yes. I, I think that fruit should be already working through from salvation, the working of the spirit in our lives from salvation. Um, when we talk about uh, gifts and fruit, um, when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I mean, you know, there there's the initial evidence of tongues that we talk about but then there's the gifts of, of tongues and interpretation and, and those kinds of things that, that come. And uh, so I know that there's the initial evidence, but I believe fruits and gifts should be operating. At the same time. Yes. Yes. I, I think, I mean, cause it's all the Holy ghost. That's right. That's correct. And, and in all reality, fruit should be already manifesting itself through salvation, you know, yeah. When it comes to the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then fruit should already be working, you know, and gifts should already, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? From the, yes, and which, like you said, should come from salvation and also through the sanctification of your life. Yeah. Yes. The agreement with God, as you said, the agreement with God, the renewing of the mind, the renewing yes. of the mind should start bringing those fruits. Um, yes. Ways. Um, but I, the reason why I asked that, though, and the reason why I said that, is because again, we need to understand that fruit and gifts are they're two separate things, but they also need to be worked together. Yeah, and see, I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you because I have said this many, many times. You know how I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I question people. I just kind of question people in my mind who operate in quote unquote gifts all the time, but they got no fruit. Definitely. Because, you know, I question, is that really the Lord's tongue? <laughs> you know, right. I mean, I kind of question that because, and I have to, because that's how we judge one another. That's right. I, which is a whole nother topic because, you, know, <laughs> you know, nobody can judge me but God. But that's how we, uh, that's not true, by the way. <laughs> uh, that's how we judge one another is by our fruit. And sure. so, and I'm not saying that a person who has, um, used a gift, um, and then later on, I don't see the fruit in an incident, you know, because we can all fail in an incident. Oh, yes. Yes. But, but, and, well, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because, okay, because this is help, this is going to help me too. I think that the difference is um, when we're judging or when we're looking at that situation is are we looking at an incident? Or are we looking at a uh, continued behavior? Definitely. Because quite frankly, I can be rude sometimes uh, and in an incident. Definitely. But am I consistently living that way? Or, or uh, I may fail on a fruit in a particular situation. And so, so yeah, no. Uh, if, if a person is operating in gifts, but the fruit are not consistent in their life. Not, not just an incident, because we can all have an incident of stupidity and, yes. and flesh. But if they're not consistently walking in the fruit, I really do have to question whether or not the gifts are actually, whether that's the gifts actually working through you. And Bobby, I will say this too, bud. That may be why in many cases, and I can speak for some of our churches, because you, you and I both know that the gift probably, or the gift um, probably operated most in our churches is speaking in tongues. That's right. Um, because we're not seeing, a lot of places are not seeing tongues and interpretations. They're not seeing a lot of what we would really call a gift of prophecy and, you know, word of knowledge, word, you know, word of wisdom, those kinds of things. Um, so um, I, I just think that, um, I think I lost my train of thought, but I think, <laughs> I just think that because a lot of people will operate it in tongues, 
um, but other gifts are not operating. And so it's easier to, for them to not operate in or have fruit. That's right. Because I've seen exactly what you're talking about, though, on a consistent level. Yeah. Someone, who would, someone who would speak in tongues a lot at church, but had the nastiest attitude. And it's not, I mean, consistently. Definitely. So, so you have to question. I have to question um, a person who uh, seems to be operating in gifts of the Spirit, uh, but, they, but they are not consistently bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Definitely. And, um, and, that's, and I'd love to bring that out. I, I brought this out with a couple of people is because, uh, again, we need to make sure we're consistent with that. And, you know, the Bible talks about when we abide in Christ, Right. Then, you know, then our fruit will show. We'll, we'll produce the fruit that we need to. Sure. And so sure. it, it, not just the gifts, but abiding in Christ uh, produces the fruit, too. Um, would that be? Well, a- that, can, can I say this, Bob? Because yeah. um, when we talk about fruit, though, we, we in those in that sense of John 15, producing fruit, we also have to understand what produ- what what fruit really is. Yeah. Um, fruit fruit is. Yeah. It, it, Good works is involved in that, but fruit is actually, um, um, for the most part, good godly character. That's correct. Good godly character, which will produce good works and 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 those kinds of things. So, um, if you abide in Christ, uh, uh, then you will produce a good godly character because of who He is. And so, so uh, because I had a thought go through my head just a minute ago. Um, you know, we just talked about a few minutes ago, this whole thing of, I believe that the fruit of the spirit through the working of the spirit, when we're saved in our lives, um, should already be starting to produce in our lives. So can I just say this, that I not only question, um, folks who operate in gifts often, but not consistently, bearing fruit. I, I not only question this, their baptism of the Holy Ghost experience, but I, I, I question, I, I question their salvation experience. Yes. I, I don't know if they're even saved. Yes. If consistently they're not bearing the fruit of the spirit because somewhere along the line, they're not abiding in Christ. That's right. See, all this just, it all goes so much deeper than what we're talking about because, number one, we, than what we normally talk about, not what we're talking about here. Yes. Uh, because, number one, you know, we sit around as Christians not wanting to judge one another. We don't want to say anything to one another because we're afraid of making people mad or hurting people's feelings and stuff. But I think God has given us a responsibility to one another, not just to sit around judging one another, but judging fruit and exhorting one another, the Bible says, and even more so as the day approaches this, you know, uh, which means to encourage one another to do good. So if I'm not seeing fruit in you, then I need to exhort you about that way of life, because it's not just about whether or not I'm filled with the Holy Ghost or baptized with the Holy Ghost and operating in gifts, but am I really walking with Christ? That's right. That's right. That's right. And, you know, and, and, I, and I love that because if we went to a farmer's market and we're looking at the fruit, we're not going to pick up rotten tomatoes to make the farmer feel better. We're going to leave oh, it there. Absolutely no, not. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to leave that where it is. That's right. But we, we go. I'm going to pick the bad leaves off the cabbage before I buy it. I don't <laughs> want all that. <laughs> but we'll go to our churches and we'll sit in our pews and we'll see people, you know, operating in these gifts gifts but having these fruits and we're too afraid to let them know hey um and if we're loving one another like we're supposed to love one another then we should be able to have those hard conversations sometimes but and the pro and and one of the biggest problems though with with this whole scenario is that it breeds confusion that's right and not just in the church but this is one of the reasons why the the world uh sometimes has a problem with the church because uh, we have this presentation of who we say we are, but we're, but we don't bear fruit. So they're certainly not going, if we're not bearing fruit, they're certainly not going to believe um, these gifts and they're, and, and, but they're, they, they don't want to hear what we got to say, period. That's right. If we're not bearing fruit of the spirit. That's right. 
So, and, and I know me and you have talked about this a little bit um, over the last uh, eight months. Um, as many of you know, we're at the time of recording this, we're in a pandemic and uh, yes. uh, a what? Rip, what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're also in uh, uh, racial uh, war, I would say, uh, um, where we're seeing people protest, we're seeing things happen, we're seeing. Um, a lot of the uh, New Testament that's been, that was talked about in uh, Matthew, or uh, if I'm not mistaken, in Matthew, we're seeing a lot of that stuff happening right now as we're going in. With that being said, I love what you told me at the beginning of this. You, um, you, you mentioned to me as I called you one day just to you know, pick your mind off some things. Um, you believe this is a time for Christians to come back to God. This is a calling back time for Christians. Can you kind yeah. of explain that, um, that thought? Well, I think what's happened is that we have been challenged on every level. Um, uh, our saving grace has been being able to gather in our churches, and, and that has been the, the center of all of it. Well, the Lord has, um, has allowed this to come into our you know, our country and our world, and it has disrupted all of that. And, uh, and what we've done uh, in the process is that we've been praying stuff like, um, we've been wanting the virus to go away because what we want is um, uh, for things to go back to normal. Isn't that the word we use? <laughs> We're looking for normal. And uh, what I've said many, many times during this process, and I've preached here at our church, um, is that uh, what we didn't realize was that a lot, in a lot of places was that normal just was not working. That's right. It, it just wasn't working. In a lot of places, this normal that we're talking about is not working, you know, because uh, people, some pe a lot of Christians were not drawing close to God. There is a falling away already. Um, even even if they didn't quit coming to church, they weren't there mentally, you know. Um, so they, the, the normal that we talk about, it just really wasn't working because uh, we weren't focused on the kingdom. We were uh, very inward focused, we, you know. Um, and so um, I do believe that the Lord has um, been trying to use all of this um, not to make us go online and all that kind of good stuff. I believe all those have been good gifts and um, that the Lord has provided for us. And, and there's been a lot of good things that's, that's come out of this. But I do believe the Lord has been trying to shake us up and draw us back to a place, um, a place in him. The only problem, uh, the biggest problem I'm having is that I'm just, I'm, I'm, I just don't know that it's still working for a lot of people. Um, I still recognize a lot of Christian folks who are not getting it. Yes. That they're not getting it. That's right. This should have been a time of really seeking God and falling on our face and repenting, but I'm not seeing a lot of repentance. Um, I can any, any day, any hour, I can open up my Facebook or Twitter and I don't see a lot of repentance. Yeah. I, I just don't, I don't see a lot of grace, a lot of mercy, a lot of forgiveness. I don't see a lot. So I don't think a lot of people are still getting it, you know, and so, but I do believe that the Lord is trying to use all this to bring us back to a place in him that he's called us to. And, and I say that I'm not seeing that a lot, but I do believe, um, Bob, that, um, that there are a lot of folks who are getting it. A lot of folks who are really seeking God and looking for him and worshiping, you know, you know, just returning back to that place. So I'm very thankful for that. But yeah. Yeah, I definitely believe that God is is trying to do work in the church. Right. And and I know, and I want to make sure we make this clear, you're not saying that God sent this to do this, but when we're going through this, we're it is a time for us to call back. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> okay, so the thing is, I, I don't know exactly how to put that. Yes. Um, I think some people have underdone it. Mm -hmm. Some people may have overdone it. But the thing that we have to remember is that God is sovereign. That's 
That's right. So, so there is nothing that happened. Listen, remember what Joseph said, um, uh, said, I believe to his brothers. Um, he said, he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Yes. Yes. So if God is sovereign, there is nothing that not only happens uh, with, uh, that can not only not happen without his permission. Um, I'm just trying to word this correctly. Yes. Because I know it'll trigger some folks. Yes. For example, the, the Bible says that he, he works all things for our good. Um, all things work for good to them that love God, who are called according to his purpose. That doesn't mean that God just uh, takes these bad things that happens. Um, um, says, oops, let me turn this. I'm going to turn this around mm -hmm. or takes the bad stuff and decides that he's going to turn, turn stuff around. That's not what that means. God, God takes everything that happens or everything that he allows to happen or everything that he sends to our lives to work for our good. And we got to remember, and see, this is why it's such a touchy way of putting this. Yes. we got to remember that even God hardened the heart of Pharaoh to perform his work that he might be glorified. So I can't, I can't just say conclusively <laughs> again i know i'm about to trigger some folks i get it when i understand it when people say that god that or when we say well god didn't send it he didn't send this as you know to blah 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 but we he's either sovereign or he's not so so he either not we want to say allow because we don't want to think that God will send stuff, but again, I know this sounds triggering. Yes. But he did send pestilence. That's right. And he did send Jesus into the wilderness, the Holy Spirit. It said the Spirit yes. I mean, so I, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that it's been the Lord's pleasure to send a disease to us. I'm not saying that necessarily disease comes from the Lord. I know disease comes from the fall. I get that. Okay. Yeah. Please don't misunderstand me. Oh, yeah. Disease and sickness and all that kind of stuff. It comes from the fall. It has its roots in the enemy. Sure. But I do have to remember that if God is sovereign, that means he has control. Sure. So whether he's lifted his hand or whether he's moved his hand or whether he's whatever, there is nothing that happens, you know, because I, I don't want anybody to hear what I've just said and go, Jackie said, blah, 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 and get, you get all these emails and all this stuff. But if he's sovereign, I do have to understand. But this is what I have said, though. This is what I have said, though, that no matter what happens to us as believers, if it happens to me or comes to me, it comes filtered through the hands of God and through the blood of Jesus. That's right. Sure. But there is nothing that happens in this world that he not only not knows about it, because he does, but that doesn't happen without yes. his allowing it to happen. Definitely, definitely. So I get, I get it when people say, God, did, God didn't say, I get it, I yeah. get it. Got to be careful. We got to be careful or else we're taking the sovereignty away from God. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. I, I, I'm really enjoying this. Um, and I wanted to, um, I know I wanted to talk a lot about evangelism and, uh, and uh, pastoral and stuff like that. But I know we've been on here for a little while. Um, okay. I, always I try to be more brief. No, 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 no. This is perfect. <laughs> this is perfect because this is where we wanted to go. I think people want to hear. Uh, and, okay. And, need to hear these need to hear these things um sure but uh we we live in a time where evangelism um and, and i'm not and we still are called to go out don't get me wrong but i'm talking right. about bibles of of you know different times like this where back in um i can remember even 20 years ago where revivals would happen and it wouldn't just be like a two-day thing or just a bring a special speaker in type thing 
but it would be really restoration. It'd be a movement. There we go. That's a better yeah, word. Yeah, absolutely. Be movement. Um, they would be, you know, it, I know it was very odd. I think it was seven years ago and I talked to Caleb Howard about this, uh, down at, uh, uh, dry Oak, they had a revival that lasted, I think it was like three or four months, if I'm not mistaken, which is yeah. really odd for this time. Yes, this absolutely. Why do you think we have gone away from that? I don't want to say model, but we've gone away from that uh, type of revival, seeing people. And, and I think we've lost the meaning of revival. Um, revival, I know we want to see people get saved, but sometimes revival needs to start with us inside first, um, with the, uh -huh. church, the people of the church, um, and, and have revival there. And then, you know, people come in and get saved and things like that. And I think it starts with the church. I think a lot of times the church doesn't have that revival mindset of saying, Hey, we're going to go into this movement here. So what's your thoughts on that? Cause I know you, you've, you've been in the okay. world and you've came out it, You've been pastoring now, as you said, for six years, um, but you still do revivals yeah. and things like that. But what do you think, uh, it, your thoughts on that? Okay, so, okay, revival, to revive something means to bring something back to life. And, and uh, when we talk about revival and revival starting in us, that means not only that if, if something's got to be brought back to life, that means it's got to be dead. Well, that doesn't always mean that um, you're dead spiritually. What that means is that you got to be willing to die. That's right. Okay. Cause, cause really when you talk about true revival happening in a church and happening in the people in a church, that means they have come to the place where they're willing to once again die to themselves and so that God can just really do a work. And so I think what has happened is, um, a couple of things, a couple of things has happened. Um, Gosh, a lot of things has happened. So let me try to be concise. And concise is not my specialty. <laughs> Ask my people on Sunday morning. <laughs> Two Sundays ago, my one of my deacons preached uh, or spoke for me. This my, the concise thing. Two weekends, weeks ago, um, one of my deacons spoke for me, and one of my other deacons sent me a picture that had the screenshot from the back wall um, after church was over, and it said twelve oh nine. <laughs> and he said, the Lord did a work here at East Clemson Christian. <laughs> and, and I just said, shut up. <laughs> Not my thing. Okay. So, so, okay. So let me see if I can do this concisely. Um, what I noticed over the years as an evangelist is that, um, especially as I got towards the end of my time, um, doing evangel, what we call evangelistic work as far as church to church doing revivals is that you could tell that that willing to die um, was waning in the people of God. And you could tell that in attendance. Yes. You could tell that in attendance um, because, you know, I would often say people, when, when the revival hits a church, people are already uh, figuring out what nights they can miss. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they've already figured out that. So you could already tell in attendance, you could already tell in uh, the moving of the spirit or the, uh, whether there was freedom of really a moving of the spirit, people being saved and that kind of stuff. So something was already waning in the church. I found myself preaching to the church more and more and more and more rather than having these meetings where lots of people were getting saved. But the things that the Lord was speaking to me was, I felt like the Lord was trying to bring us back to something. So, so this, this whole revival concept that we had, I believe one thing that just happened to us is that um, that part of dying to ourselves just began to um, wane in a lot of places. And that's, you know, that's sad to say, but it just, it really did. However, I do, I'm not just going to um, just leave it at that because I do believe that the Lord also in the days that we're living in, uh, that if we go back to Isaiah, I believe it is, um, he will do a new work. He will do a new thing, right. something that we didn't even know was going to happen. So um, I think, again, what the Lord is doing, even through this season that we're going through, is that our normal was not really working well. 
okay? Because it wasn't being as fruitful in many places. Now, I know some people who may listen to this and say, well, that's not our church. We rocking and a rolling and a blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, okay, praise God for y'all. Y'all just are perfect. Um, but I do believe that the Lord um, uh, still wants to do revival, but not necessarily... But what may be happening is 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 that in this time that we're living in, he is trying to push revival and evangelism back to where uh, where it had its roots, and that is in personal evangelism. Because you think about it, Bobby, um, when we talk about revivals, it, it generally was this whole coming together at church. Well, that's been not a movement. It was an event, not a movement. Yes. Yeah. Well, but it was it was all about coming to church. Yes. For for uh, lives to change and stuff like that, which I know at churches where some of that starts and is is in, in is encouraged in us and that kind of stuff. Church is supposed to be that way for us. Um, that's why he says uh, again, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as a manner of some is, but even more so. Uh, or exhorting, but exhorting one another, and even more so as the day approaches. So church should be this gathering together and exhorting one another because the evangelism needs to be um, uh, the real evangelism or the everyday evangelism is that that we do personally. And I think that that's what was starting to be missed, and it was reflective in what was happening in the church. Right. You know, yeah. uh, and we just depended on the church for the revival aspect of it. You come to church. I tried to get them to come to church. I would tell people all the time, I know you're inviting people, but guess what? They ain't coming. They don't want to come. It's boring to them. They don't like you. They don't want to sit on the pew with you, much less at Burger King, much less here. Yeah. Um, I mean, so that's what that's what started happening. And so I believe the Lord is using was using this waning um, to to speak to us and this season that we're in because we're not gathering together, you know, again, and pushing us into more personal evangelism and revival happening outside the doors and than just relying on it happening inside. Yes, I, I, I agree with you 100%. As I believe, I heard somebody say the other day, and um, stop inviting people to church. And I had to read the article about it to see what it was because <laughs> I was like, "Hold up!" But the point was that, and you read, and you read it mad too, didn't you? Yeah, like, it is. What else you talking? But the whole point of it was in the Bible where Jesus said, "Come and see," and yeah. he didn't say, "Go to the temple with me" or "Meet me at the temple." He just said, yeah. "Come and see," and, and right. through his fruit, as we've been talking about, and through his lifestyle yes. that he's been talking about. Uh, and, and the working of the Holy Spirit. So, yes, and the working of the Holy Spirit and the words that came out of his mouth because every time he said something, it was to glorify his father. I mean, that's what his job was, was to glorify the father. And so right. he would just tell them to come and see, come, come and see. And, and we've gotten out of the point of actually forming relationships. We thought forming relationships was saying, hey, come to church with me. But it's not just that. We have to have those relationships and right, right. and have those moments and um, where people will come and see, see that what your life is outside of church. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because <laughs> you know you can do a lot while you're in church, but do you still live that way when you're out of church? That's the whole you know the whole point. Right. Well, but, you just think about it too, Bob. That 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 this whole season we're in. Um, when we first started, and online has been great, okay, we're reaching people that we would not have reached in many cases. But if you'll notice, I don't know about y'all, but if you'll notice that when you we first started, I mean, people were just tuning in and numbers were just whatever. But guess what has happened? That's right. You know, so, so even this aspect of it, y'all come watch us online. A lot of that is waning. And so the Lord is still pushing us, pushing us, saying to us, you have got to evangelize on a personal level. This has got to come out of your mouth. The gifts of the spirit operating on in you and through you on your job. That's right. In Walmart, at the grocery store, you can speak a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge 
and prophesy and lay hands on the sick and they be healed anywhere. You've got to do it outside this building. That's right. And, and we've come to a point where we think those gifts have only worked inside the building. And, and, and like you said, they don't. They, they work outside the building. We have to make sure we show that outside of the building. Um, I think I read a, a thing in June, 48% of the regular church attendance didn't even watch an online service. They already no good for nothing. So and so are. But 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 with that being said, like like you said, when we all started, we all thought we were televangelists of of yeah. some mega church. We were getting all just these, like that. We turned into like that, getting views. But now uh, we've gotten back to that point now where it's become comfortable or com not come you know consistent. And, and again, it's because of the relationships we have to do outside of the building, outside of the right. Best. Right, right. Well, uh, Chucky, we always end with this question. Okay. Um, and again, we'll have to do this again so we can. I have a lot more questions I want to ask. But okay. I have answers. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just like to call. I just yeah, like to call. Uh, But this last question we always end with if you just uh, preached and um, this gentleman came up and said he gave his life to God. Um, and you had just a few minutes to talk to him, what would be the first advice that you would tell him? If he said, Chucky, I, 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 during this message, I've given my life to Jesus. What's next for me? What would you tell him? I would say don't smoke, dip, or chew, and hang out with those who do. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's what we used to say about ourselves. Yeah. I don't smoke, dip, or do, and I don't. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so if someone had just, uh, number one, congratulations. Welcome to the family. I love you. God bless you, you know. Definitely. Uh, you want to make sure that they feel welcome. Um, I think if I, if I needed to give him, give a person advice about how to get started, it would have to be you need to spend time with God every day. If just, just talking to him and, and, and drawing closer to him. Okay. And I would explain, you, you, you explain that by saying to them, you just need to have, sit down and have conversations with God so that you can learn. And, and, and as a new believer, you won't understand um, that because it's hard to hear God speaking to you. But the more you practice talking to him and sitting and listening, the more practice you will have in this conversation thing. Uh, but prayer and the word is going to be your key to life. Prayer in the Word. You need to read the Bible. If you're not a reader, you need to listen to it um, online or something like that. You need the Word. Prayer in the Word is what's going to fuel and feed um, your relationship with God. Prayer in the Word is going to fuel. Don't start in Leviticus. <laughs> <laughs> After about the fourth sacrifices, you'll want to sacrifice yourself. Don't start in Leviticus, but prayer in the word. And well, I guess there's, there would be three things, uh, prayer and the word. And you need people in your life, other believers that will speak into your life and be there for you. Prayer, word, and other believers. That's as simple as it gets. You, yes. Every believer, every new Christian needs that. Definitely. Um, and I want to say uh, thank you so much, Chucky. Thank you so much for doing this and answering questions and uh, yeah, man, just talking. And uh, again, Chucky is the pastor of East Clemson uh, Fellowship up in Christian Fellowship. Christian Fellowship. I'm sorry, I forgot the Christian part. Well, so do a lot of other people sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and that is located. Do you, do you have the address address of that, Chucky? Yeah, we're 520 Isaquina Trail. Um, easy. We're about 10 minutes, just to plug, uh, we're about 10 minutes from the college, um, not only uh, Clemson, but um, uh, Southern Wesleyan. Um, we have a small, in fact, group of young adults, college students and young adults who have already graduated. And uh, so we'd love to we'd love to plug in your kids if they're here and take care of them. Yeah. Um, I'm feeding them at my house a lot and, you know, different times and stuff like that. Definitely. Very easy to find. Yes. And if you're ever up in that area, please stop by. And uh, uh, I know they're back in the building right now as we speak. Right? Yes, we are. Sunday mornings at 11, uh, Wednesday nights at 7. 
And you can also follow them on Facebook, um, East Clemson Christian Fellowship on Facebook, and see yeah. their services online. Um, they do live stream, and uh, they also have some great stuff that's on there um, weekly and uh, do a great job with that. But if you're ever up in that area, I know we have some friends down in the Charleston area that listens to this and different things like that. If you're ever up this way um, and you're not near Restoration Chapel, you can go to East Clips. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Every, every frog, every frog got a crew for that pond. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, yes, definitely go up and see Chucky and the family. He'll put yeah. his arms around you. Well, not right now because of COVID, but he'll um, do an air hug. And, uh, and I don't know. It depends. We'll see. We'll see, right? We'll bathe and sanitizer afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we want to thank you so much for watching this and uh, listening to this. You can watch this on YouTube or on Facebook. Um, we do it every Wednesday night at six o'clock. Also, this is going to be on podcast. It's on um, Spotify. It's on Google Podcasts. It's on Anchor. It's about any podcast that you can find. It's on their Apple Podcasts. It's on there also. Um, so you can follow us and subscribe there and listen um, each week. Uh, again, we want to thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Chucky, for joining us. Hey, Bob, can I just say this? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, just say this. Um, I'm, I'm, I've known you for, I, for forever. You're one of my spiritual sons, and I'm just so stinking proud of what, what you guys are doing at Williamston, doing such a great job. And I love you, and I love your family, and uh, love the church there. So I appreciate the work you're doing over there. We love you too, Chucky. We thank you so much for being a spiritual father to us and helping us as much as possible. Um, even when we have those crazy questions. I know I've called you so much this summer just with some <laughs> questions. But, uh, but yes, thank you so much. And we thank you all for watching. We love you and we will see you soon.